Good morning. Welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church in Martinsville, Virginia. Both those of you who are here with us in our sanctuary this morning and those who are joining us by live stream, we are glad that you are here. For the past two weeks at the first service, I have popped right up and started talking right after the prelude, and, uh, and we've, had to, we've had to do the chimes of the Trinity late because I just had to get up and get going. So before today's service, 11 o'clock service, Jill was like, now we're good on the times of the Trinity, right? But that prelude was so rousing, I almost stood up right in the middle of the prelude. That was marvelous. Thank you. Well, this week we have some wonderful things coming up. We have our Blessing of the Animals service on Saturday at 2 o'clock. This is such a fun service. We're going to be out on the front lawn and invite you to bring your pets Uh, If your pet does not travel well, you can also bring a picture of your pet. Or if you are not allowed to have pets, uh, but you have beloved stuffed animals, you can bring your beloved stuffed animals, and I will will bless your stuffies. Uh, We have dog tags and dog treats and bandanas for all the animals, and the confirmation class, I hope, is going to be helping with this service. And we are also blessed because we are going to have an adoption event with the SPCA. They will be there with adoptable animals. So this is meant to be a community event. So I hope that you will bring your friends and neighbors again at Saturday at 2 o'clock. On Sunday, it's hard to believe, it's going to be October. October 3rd is World Communion Sunday. So we will be celebrating communion with millions of people around the world. Uh, We will have breads from different areas of the world. And I'm very, very excited uh, about next week for a number of reasons. Next week, I will not be preaching. Uh, We are so blessed uh, when... um, When I first moved here, well, before I first moved here, I received a a note welcoming me to uh, First Church Martinsville uh, from Marion Myers, and uh, she said, she told me how old she was, and then she wrote, but I have a sign in my kitchen that says, there's absolutely no reason to act your age, and um, When I first got here, she invited me to dinner, and I got to hear the most wonderful oral history of City of Hope. And I recognize that the congregation has been involved with City of Hope from the very beginning, from providing seed money to providing scholarships for children to providing funds for fencing and and a well and, and a host of other things. Well, the CEO of City of Hope will be with us next Sunday, and we'll be bringing the message. His name is Matt Parker. He is fairly new to the job. He uh, has just returned from Tanzania, and so he's going to be able to bring us updates as well as a spiritually uplifting message, and it couldn't be more perfect that he is available to be with us on World Communion Sunday. So I hope that you will be here to hear his wonderful message of hope and city of hope, and to welcome him. Third
third, I just wanted to uh, give you a heads up uh, that we have our confirmation class ongoing. And on the, on the day that the youth are confirmed, we're going to play a congregational game. Are you smarter than a confirmand? So I am encouraging the congregation to bone up on their biblical knowledge. Um, for example, today we had we played Jeopardy, and I'll tell you what three of the questions were, and you can see, well, you can tell me if you know what the answers are. Moses died on Mount what? Mount Nebo, yes. Uh, this person led the Israelite people into the promised land. Joshua, now it's one to one. Let's see. Um, a third, how many times did God have to give Moses the Ten Commandments? Twice. All righty, this is going to be a good game. So um, be ready. These confirmands are really, really, really smart. So it's going to be really fun. Those are the announcements I have this morning. Let us begin worship. Let us stand for our call to worship as we center our hearts on God. Let us unite our voices in darkness and in light, in trouble and in joy. Help us, eternal God, to trust your love, to serve your purpose, and to praise your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our opening hymn is Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise, found in your hymnals on page 103.
please be seated. Let us unite our hearts and voices in our opening prayer. Tender and compassionate God, whose strength is made perfect in our weakness, help us to believe that you receive us as we are. More than that, help us, imperfect though we are, to be carriers of the message of your love, like earthen vessels that carry treasures. And may we worship you in spirit and in truth through the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to ask for the attention of the children. Uh, I would like today to talk about the word trust. That is what our gospel lesson is about this morning, trust. I was thinking that one time when I was doing a children's sermon on trust, I did this very wacky thing. I laid down on the floor and I had the lay leader break a raw egg and from chest high, I held a, I was laying on the floor and I held a a plastic cup on my head, on my forehead, and he broke an egg and from chest high opened it, trying to get it into the cup. And the whole point was that I trusted him to actually get the raw egg into the cup. Otherwise, I was going to look like quite a mess for the rest of the worship service. And I'm really happy to say that he did not miss. There's another trust game that's often played where um, one person will be blindfolded or close their eyes, and then they'll just fall backwards, trusting that there will be a person or persons behind them who will catch them. And they usually kind of let them fall pretty far. Um, and hopefully they don't fall forward because nobody's up there looking to, uh, to catch them. But um, that is a game that's played in a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of trust-building exercises that corporations do and stuff. Um, today, we are talking about trust because... Jesus keeps telling his disciples what's going to happen to him. And they don't like what they're hearing. And Jesus keeps saying to them, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Because when I fall, when I fall backwards, I know that God is going to catch me every time. I know that, that God is going, that I, I trust God, uh, that in the end, all things will work out well because I am in his arms. The same is true for all of us. You know, we have times that are good and times that are bad, times that are scary, times that are joyful. God wants us to know that no matter what happens in our lives, we are going to fall into his arms. Um, the Bible says even whether we live or whether we die, we're in God's arms. So when we are feeling alone or frightened, wondering who we can turn to, God tells us that we can always turn to him and we can trust that he will always be there for us. So that is my message for you this week about trust. I invite you to think a little bit more about the people in your life whom you trust um, because they're people who teach you about uh, God's character of being trustworthy. Thanks for your time and attention. As we prepare to receive God's holy word, let us pray. 
God of mercy, you promised never to break your covenant with us. In the midst of the multitude of words in our daily lives, speak to us your eternal word, that we may respond to your gracious promises with faithfulness, service, and love. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our New Testament lesson this morning is found in the fifth chapter of James, beginning with verse 13. This text is longer than the text that we have been reading from James, uh, but incorporates some of the verses that we have already talked about. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our gospel lesson this morning is found in the ninth chapter of Mark's gospel, beginning with the 38th verse. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Well, I absolutely love this season. I love fall. 
I love the crisp weather. I love the lack of humidity. I love the color of the leaves. I love everything about this season, pretty much. But I do notice sometimes that there is a certain melancholy that underlies autumn for me as well. I don't know if it is the crisp fall air that makes the light fall differently as it puddles on the ground, or maybe the slight chill in the air every morning, or perhaps the faint smell that accompanies the leaves that have begun falling, or the distant roar of a football game. I'm not sure what sensory stimuli exactly set this off in me, but sometimes I get carried away to some of the sweet but also sad memories of autumn's past. School buses are everywhere, and that evokes for me memories of, of leaving the brightness of summer to begin school again with that fear of being in a new class and fear of, of, of a new classroom and fear of, of a new teacher, the dread of making good grades and fitting in the displeasure of dressing neatly and, and, and having to uh, not necessarily be comfortable, to have to wear shoes instead of flip-flops. And then, of course, the inconvenience of going to bed early at night because it's a school night. And yet, most of all, the anxieties of autumn's past somehow are minor manifestations of the really big fear, the dread of, of moving for the first time into a world of strangers beyond one's own house, beyond one's own neighborhood, beyond one's own family. I think psychologists call it school anxiety or separation anxiety, but my hunch is that it is just a a familiar, fundamental anxiety that's lived over and over and over again as we leave the, the comfortable, the known, the womb. Starting school, or starting at any time, is fraught with the discomfort of leaving home. And leaving home is, of course, an activity in the autumn. I like to think that the disciples must have felt something like that when Jesus tells them about the nature of his messiahship, he says that they are going to have to pick up their crosses and follow him into a broader world, into a world that is full of ubiquitous evil and scary wickedness, so much so that it will ultimately nail Jesus to a cross. When Jesus starts talking like that, the disciples must have, have felt more than melancholy at that prospect. They must have known downright denial, which Peter gives voice to, but also downright fear. After all, they had been taught that the world out there was contaminated. It was polluted by wrong belief. It was polluted by greed. It was polluted by cynicism. They assumed that Jesus was going to be their own Messiah, the king of Israel alone, the head of their national family, but not the king of the whole world. I mean, the world was a dangerous place. We need to stick to our own family first because it is comfortable and it is known and it is familiar. 
stay home, brother Jesus, the disciples must have been thinking, and you'll stay out of trouble, and you'll keep us out of trouble. But when Jesus begins to tell them more and more about the nature of his power and the arena, the, the space of his message and the requirements of their discipleship, for Peter and John and, and all the disciples, it surely must have felt like autumn in their souls. Our text this morning also contains some really gruesome imagery, as if this text weren't already difficult enough. It occurs to me that of all the passages in scriptures, these saying about, about gouging out your eyes or cutting off offending hands and feet is, is a passage that's not taken literally, even by people who claim to take the Bible literally. And I'm glad to see that. Um, but everybody, I think, pretty much agrees that Jesus is speaking metaphorically here. However, the point of these shocking sayings, which were probably collected and put together by Mark like pearls on a string, is that Jesus' message is revolutionary. It is urgent. And the disciples are encouraged to become single-minded in their discipleship, not allowing anything or anybody, not even their own limbs or eyes, to get in the way of their faithfulness. On the other hand, they are not supposed to be smugly exclusive or afraid of others outside of their little community who are proclaiming a similar message of healing and freedom and care. Because after all, Jesus says, he who is not against us is for us. Indeed, Jesus says that the disciples should not try to stop any deeds of healing power or the shattering of demonic illusions in his name. By implication, I think what Jesus is really saying is that there really is no such thing as out there. All who love justice and all who love mercy and do justice and walk humbly with God are about God's business. So rather than trying to stop those people with a sort of nostalgic exclusiveness, which, which looks back to the days when it was just Jesus with his disciples, the good old days, Jesus seems to be saying that instead they should search diligently out there to see all the deeds of God's power that are being done. Indeed, one may find not only collaboration, but salvation and healing out there, because whoever is not against us is for us. I did a baptism yesterday in Arlington for a little girl whose brother I also baptized and whose parents I married. And we've also been talking in confirmation class about the sacrament of baptism because confirmation is all about confirmants taking their baptismal promises for themselves. The service of baptism contains all of this wonderful imagery of, of birthing, which is especially evocative when infants are baptized because, in a sense, they are being birthed into a community of care. 
As children grow and move into a variety of, of a human experiences, including some that include the evil power and wickedness stuff that their parents talked about renouncing in the baptismal liturgy, the parents also know that the care of the church community surrounds them, that they are not alone, that they are supported in the care that they are providing for their children. So even though some of the liturgy hints at scary things that are part of our broken world, the liturgy is meant to bring us comfort. It's wonderful to hear a whole congregation full of folks affirm their commitment to supporting the spiritual growth of our baptized children in the midst of whatever life brings their way. Now, the world out there might be dangerous and full of strangers, but ultimately, it all belongs to God. We are Christ's own forever, and therefore, there is much solace and good news for us all. A friend of mine who is an Episcopal priest in Atlanta once told me about a song I'd never heard before titled Suzanne by the late Jewish songwriter Leonard Cohen. The song became especially meaningful to Harry when in the span of three weeks, two of his most prominent church leaders, his senior warden and his junior warden, as well as the teenage son of, a, of, of his best friend on the vestry, all died tragically within the span of that three weeks. And the church and Harry himself felt devastated and angry and, 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 and like they were drowning in a sea of meaninglessness. Everything had changed. And the song, Suzanne, brought a powerful message of healing and community and, and casting out the forces of despair and uselessness. So here is one verse of that song. Jesus was a savior. I'm not going to sing it to you. Um, <laughs> I should have had Jill sing it, but um, Jesus was a sailor, and he walked upon the water, and he spent a long time watching from a lonely tower. And when he knew for certain only drowning men could see him, he said, all men shall be sailors now until the sea shall free them. And he himself was broken long before the sky would open. Forsaken, very human, as he sank beneath your wisdom like a stone. And you want to travel with him, and you want to travel blind, and you think maybe you'll trust him, for you've touched his perfect body with your mind. Through the lyrics of a Jewish troubadour, Jesus said, in the midst of a melancholy and sometimes unfamiliar and frightening world, take heart. He who is not against us is for us. The message is this. We can all leave home now, again, trusting that we are in God's enormous and diverse home. And in that home is a place for each and every and all of us. Just remember what Jesus said, I am with you and whoever is not against us is for us. Thanks be to God. Amen.
God, sometimes as for my pastor friend Harry, there are lyrics that strike him and strike us to our cores. Other times words are sung and we know because they are also lived that they come from a place of integrity and authenticity that we feel in our bones. We thank you for Jake, for the healing you are bringing in his life, for his message to focus our vision on you. We are grateful for his witness. May we remember it as we move into the world. 
to share your vision for the world, a vision of healing and of hope. For we pray in Christ's name now as he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Will you stand now and affirm your faith with the affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed, found in your bulletins and on page 881 in your hymnals? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Will the ushers please come forward? We are a people who are blessed. And First Church is a church that is generous. As forgiven people, as beloved people, let us return thanks to God with our tithes and our offerings. Let us pray. Loving and eternal God, you equip all of us because you have a call for each of our lives, a special way to give witness a special way to serve you. We are blessed to look around our community of faith and see how others have done that. We are blessed to hear the stories of how they have served. And we are blessed to be able to look within and to pray and to discern the gifts that you have given to us that we too might be messengers of hope in the world. Help us to use all our gifts for the upbuilding of your kingdom and to your glory. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
our closing hymn is Only Trust Him, found in your hymnals on page 337. Let us sing this hymn with heart because we know it to be true. now may you go forth in hope and in trust to love and to serve God and your neighbor in all that you do. And the blessings of God rest and abide with you now and forever. Amen. Amen.